The Worldcraft Club Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. A time devoted to world building and its impact on narrative, where we discuss any and all topics involving the crafting of fictional settings to inspire your creativity. My name is James. And my name is Seth. And we are your hosts for this delightful half hour. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Worldcraft Club podcast. Today we got a really special episode because you know every single world builder loves them a map. I found myself even at a young age flipping back and forth through Tolkien, trying to find out where the characters were in a book, looking over different regions to see if they shaped up from above the way I imagined them as I'm walking through them with Frodo and the others. I wanted to understand how far along in the journey there were, or at my very nerdiest times, I wanted to figure out how fast they were going through the wilderness. And I think we've all kind of been there. You know, we all like to just explore the world from above. It gives us a totally different perspective. So here we have with us today, Jog Brogson, who is a fantasy map maker, who's been credited with supernatural powers for his map making skills, and surely against his better judgment, has agreed to join us today to talk about all things map and world building. Jog, thank you for joining us. How are you? Yeah, I'm uh, doing good. Sleepy, sleepy. You're not, you're not too far off the mark. No, I'm not going to confirm or deny, but some have said like I made a dark pact. To- <laughs> <laughs> so look, give us a basic rundown. We know we kind of all have a sense of like what a, what a fantasy map is. Like we can all imagine it, trees, mountains, uh, little squealy drawings of dragons in places. But do, do you want to give us like a rundown of, of what it is you do kind of in your own world? What do you make? Yeah, so when I'm making a map, I generally have a story in mind. I'm, I'm exploring that world. I try to picture myself in mm. the world, I suppose. Uh, Much the as a reader does. Yeah, it, that's where I started. Your description of, you know, flipping through The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, that, that was how I began. I was like on the journey with Bilbo to begin with, and I wanted to know where he was. I wanted to follow his journey. I, I, yeah. I wanted that visual element and just like tie myself to the world. So for me, that's, you know, fantasy map is very different to a real world map where you're trying to navigate the world around you. So it's, it's a little bit like immersion then for you. Like it's something that draws you into a world and helps it feel more real. Very much so, yeah. So, uh, and it's exactly how I feel when I'm drawing up the map. So it sucks me into the story. And while I'm drawing the map, I'm not really drawing for anyone but myself. I'm just trying to connect with that world. You know, obviously I am drawing for other people because a lot of my maps are, you know, are submissions and commissions. Yeah, but yeah. the process is wherever my pen falls, that's where I am in the world. Yeah. And I'm trying to make that connection with the world and, and visualize it. I love that. That that makes me think of um so that there's a scene in um the extended edition of Lord of the Rings where um Vigo Mortison is is as Aragorn is singing a song. And uh Frodo comes up and asks him about it and he talks about Baron and Luthien. Now the thing that's wild is that Vigo Mortison actually wrote that, right? Oh, wow. Like yeah. so it was his tribute to the world. 
And it sounds a little bit like the maps that you're drawing are your way of kind of internalizing the worlds that you're walking around in and kind yeah. of like really putting yourself in them. This is similar to the way that like, you know, Viggo Mortensen is like, I, I'm just falling in love with these characters in this world. And, and of course, the whole thing of Baron and Luthien really matched up with Aragorn's character falling in love with, with an elf. And so it was like he was... Uh, he was internalizing and putting himself in that world and kind of really getting into character with that. So it seems like this is kind of a, almost like a world builders version of kind of getting into character in some ways. Like it's very much so, very much so. So I'm, it's, it's Jog walking around that world. So Mm. Jog is, is exploring each of these worlds that I map. And sometimes I include a little Jog Brogson with his telescope. They're in a lot of my maps. Uh, like that. That's my way of saying I was here. You know what I mean? It's my little tag on the side of the landscape. Uh, I suppose where I came from, I started making maps before I encountered role playing games. Yeah, uh, it was I, I was already exploring worlds. You know, I suppose way back into my dad reckons I was like six or something when I started yeah. making worlds. You know, I. I remember my first map. I remember creating it when I was uh, 10 or 11. Uh, mm. I was waiting for this, uh, I'm not sure if you remember the, the Commodore Amiga. Was that before I, your the, time? The, the name rings a bell, but it was a little yeah. before my time. Oh, well, so there's this this software package. You, had to, you couldn't download software back then. It was, <laughs> you're waiting like a month for the software to arrive. And it was a 3D construction kit. Yeah. And it promised you could you build your own world with this software. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was so excited about this. And That's I'd a big already, I was, I was already into uh, fantasy maps at this point. Yeah. And I was thinking, now we're gonna. This is gonna cooking with gas now. Yeah, exactly. The power yeah. of technology behind my map making. Yeah. So I, no, I hadn't made a map at this point. So I was waiting for the software, and I said, "Okay, let's plan this. Okay, I want to get it right." So I took a page, and I remember drawing. My first map. Yeah. When the software arrived, it was a big disappointment. Hmm. Okay, sorry if you know <laughs> the original developers are listening, but obviously, you know, <laughs> technology was, you know, the early nineties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it wasn't ready yet for my imagination. Maybe if Minecraft was around, I would have created a whole world. It's just yeah. like, but it got me started. I, I I didn't stop making fantasy worlds. Then if, two years later, I discovered role playing games. Yeah. And I, I never looked back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That story, I, I suspect, is all too common for world builders. When you get into those role-playing games, they hook you. I, yeah. I, I do find it fascinating as well, because a lot of the work that I've seen, and I've, I've gotten a chance to kind of like just flip through some of your stuff and, you know, just kind of look at looking over it. It's, is it all hand-drawn still? Or do you use computers for is. rendering or anything like that? My process is uh, 99% of it is hand-drawn. Hmm. I scan it, I, I bring it into Photoshop and maybe just clean up the border and then it's good to go. Or if I want to add a, a bit of color or shading, I'll throw that in, in Photoshop. Yeah. I have made a few in Illustrator, some like vector-based maps, hmm. but the, the real joy comes from making a map, you know, the visual experience of drawing on a page. Yeah, yeah, actually it's putting a, it down. Yeah, hmm. so that immersion most of the time comes from that experience. I don't get that so much from working on in a digital space. So 
I would like to get into watercolors. That's where all of my maps are done on watercolor paper. Yeah. But I just wouldn't trust myself. You know, I've just finished this map and then I just splatter paint all over it. Might yeah. as well just throw coffee on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I get you. That makes a lot of sense. I, I, I think I, I share the same like apprehension about it. I was uh, watching a movie set in, uh, in a time period where, you know, a writer would physically write everything down. And if they wanted to get a manuscript approved, they'd send it to somebody. And I keep thinking yeah. to myself, like, I wouldn't send it. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't trust you. You're going to, you're going to put your own ink blots over it and wreck it. It's like, I took forever to make yeah. this and my handwriting's beautiful because I'm from that era where everybody's handwriting was beautiful. So no, I totally follow you. I love that because like one of the things that Seth and I are, are kind of like obsessed with, I think is this idea about wonder in the worlds that we make. This idea of walking and wandering through them really fits that. And yeah. uh, doing that through a map where you get the scale of something is crazy interesting. And so, I, I mean, like it's fair to say that like, when it comes to when it comes to world building maps are like one of these things that I think I've, it's got to be like 70 80 percent of world builders are like oh I got to make me one of them when when they're building their world right like I, I I suspect there's a little bit a little bit of change in there you know 20 20 30 percent or so who are kind of like yeah you know I could live without them but for the most part every people like them and even if, if they don't want them in their work, they like them. So like when, when you're looking through maps created by other folks or even, even the stuff that you, you put together yourself, is there, are there things that stick out as like particularly noteworthy or good things you like to see? Or on the flip side, things that kind of maybe rub you the wrong way when you're checking out maps? That's a kind of funny one. Like I... Mm. I am absolutely a terrible critic when it comes to my own work and other people's work. I okay, I know when I see something that I like, I just like straight away. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes it's like I see people like on a forum and they're they're giving someone a hard time. They put up their map, you know, they're exposing themselves, and it's a uh, you can see from their post they're showing a weakness. You know what I mean? Vulnerability. Yeah. yeah, vulnerability. That's the word I was looking for, and. You know, when you show a vulnerability like that, when you make a post, it's like the vultures come out of the woodwork yeah, and yeah. rip you apart. And I might look at that and the hard time that people are, are giving them for a map. And to me, I'm just looking at, you know, a fantastic story. I can see any of the blemishes that, you know, per perceived blemishes are all characteristics for me. Yeah. You know I mean? So there's no way... Yeah. Uh, and that's what I would say to anyone who's like hesitant to making a, oh, I couldn't do that. I've got that, oh, I wish I had talent. There's no such thing as talent. There's no such thing as artistic ability. It's all practice and just, yeah. you know, keep at it and build up your skills. Look at other people's work. Try one skill. Try change one thing, okay? Oh, I'd like to do mountains like that. Okay, I will try change my mountain style. Don't try and copy the entire map style that you see. Just pick mm. one little one Thank little part like. that you like. But there's, there's no right or wrong. I know one big thing, okay? Now, it's not a mistake that I'll make myself because I just, I know I would be ripped apart as well. <laughs> yeah. Rivers flowing from mountains down to the water and not splitting. You know, you need to know which direction yeah. the water is traveling and it generally won't split. Yeah. Now I see people making that mistake and 
because it's a fantasy map, you can make those mistakes. You can make any mistake you like. As, yeah. And and you know what? You don't even have to you don't even have to justify it. That's my opinion. I know it's not a popular opinion. Many people will say, Oh well, maybe maybe there's this magical No. Forget that. It's your world, you don't have to explain it. Yeah. That's the way I see. Yeah, I think I, I think it is interesting because you've also you've struck on really a few different types of world builder that I've like identified over time. It's been interesting because my journey with world building kind of kicked off with mostly being hypercritical of the stuff I was watching. So I'd look at it and I'd be like, oh, that doesn't fit. That's not plausible. Yeah. I don't I don't like the way this works or that works. Or, you know, uh, one minute the lightsaber can cut through this, the next minute struggling with that. And then you go and yeah. find out George Lucas, you know, kind of ways off in the future was like, well, that's because lightsabers work like this. You know, he didn't think of that. It was just yeah, cool. Yeah. And he did it because it was cool. <laughs> and that's, that's, and, and that's kind of where I, I had like this revelation and just sort of broke down and was like, you know what, like, rule of cool pretty much applies and there are like there's nothing wrong with having sticking to you know structure and particular mm. laws but you don't need like do it for your own world build up your so does your world have plate tectonics and does that define where the mountains are you know that's that's all good you know what i mean yeah yeah develop develop the rules for your world or not I mean, it's it's not a requirement for world building. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, I I remember I made a map and I had this is before I was I was scanning anything. So any piece of ink that I put down, it it becomes law. Okay. I'm doing uh, contour lines for like my my mountains for this map. Mm. And then I add my rivers. There we go. They're flowing around, and I noticed that this contour line, it, the, the river. If you look at the contour lines, the river is flowing uphill, because, or it goes uphill and downhill, and then flows out. It's like completely impossible river. Yeah, it's a magic river. There, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, Just explain Just it. Deal with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, move on because otherwise, I go. Oh, I have to make this map again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially when you're doing it by hand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Redo the whole. Thing. I think I was. This is about twenty years ago now, so. I was making lots of mistakes, but uh, if you make a mistake, make something on it. I mean, I still make lots of mistakes, and I, I make something of it. It's just uh, happy little mistakes. Who is it who said that? Oh, Bob Ross. Bob Ross. That's the name. I think. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Happy little mistakes. No, I like that. No, happy that's, little that's mistakes. Fun. Yeah. No, I think it's a. So I, I actually work as a uh, high, like a hydrologist. I'm I'm, I'm an engineer. So um, I yeah. uh, do design work and things like that involves a lot of water. And one of the things we always say is water flows downhill, except when it doesn't. And um, <laughs> it, it's kind of like one of those things where it, it's more like kind of scientific caution on things where you want to say it, but you also know there are going to be times where those rules get broken. And um, e like even in the very, like I, I would argue that earth was quite well constructed in terms of world building. Like it's fairly <laughs> plausible. And like sometimes- it's like the benchmark even though. <laughs> yeah, world yeah it, seems, it seems like a pretty solid foundation for a believable world. And uh, though actually that gets strained from time to time, but it's, um, it, you know, it's the, even then, most people are willing to say this rule applies 
except when it doesn't. And um, no, that's fascinating about the, about the maps as well. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask, because I mean, we've kind of gone fairly airy-fairy with it, which I love, but um, I also love to get to some like nuts and bolts with map making, because I think, yeah. um, as I say, a lot, of, a lot of our listeners will be fascinated to kind of get like a bit of a grip on how some of, some of the best put this stuff together. So like, what, what, what are some of the most useful techniques that you've uncovered, like for, for map making, something that like is in your repertoire that you're like, you know, this is this is my go-to. I use this. Okay, yeah, yeah, and this is something that maybe because I'm, I'm part of a, a few kind of groups of mm. map makers, and sometimes they'll put up. This is you know how how you approach making a, like a region or a continent map, mm. and these are the steps that you take. Uh, I might disagree <laughs> with like a few you know popular map makers on the process. Mm. A lot of people say, okay. This is the order of your inking because obviously you can sketch in whatever order you like. You've done this, you can sketch over it, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Once you start inking, if you're doing a hand-drawn map, a lot of people say ink your coastlines first, then do your rivers, and then add your mountains, and then... So to me, the ordering is important, especially if you're doing those Tolkien-esque ridgeline mountains, uh, yeah. as opposed to your top-down with contour lines. You can do them in any order. If you're doing those style, but most people when they're doing a fantasy map are going to do those Tolkien-esque mountains. Yeah. So I start with the mountains. I start with anything with some sort of height because if I'm doing like the the northern edge of a continent and there's like a ridge of mountains at the northern edge, the coastline is going to dip behind hmm. the mountains. Does that make sense? I know it's hard. Yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I follow the podcast. Because because every every map to some extent is is, is isometric. You're the, the way you're viewing it, you're kind of we we almost like slightly to, so yeah slightly. So there there is a side of the mountain if you like that you're seeing. Is that yeah. kind of it? So you're not drawing your mountains as as if you're looking down on them and there's a point and it's surrounded by like some jaggedy edges thing and that's the tip yeah. of the mountain. You're seeing it almost from the side a little bit like if you imagine Lord of the Rings, you see the lower yeah. mountain yeah. not as a point but rather as like a little you know. Uh, a triangular pointy thing you're yeah. seeing it from a side yeah no that makes sense yeah 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 so that's going to have something behind it be it a coastline or yeah. you might have forest weaving in and out so you're going to do the top of your mountains first and then anything that weaves in and out of that or anything that sits in front of so you might have a little settlement i like to draw my settlements i like to you know you, you can do your your little dot or marker or, or something like yeah, that yeah yeah something like that you can use those that's fine i like to hand draw each settlement so it like gives a, a sense of what's there and if there's a river the river might you might have like a, a mountain and the river just like duck behind and then it appears again the other side so you have that sense of it it, it gives that feeling and again it brings back to pulling you into the map the sense of immersion yeah if you can if you have that river just disappearing and appearing again. Where does it go? What's going on back yeah, there? Exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah. a map doesn't need to, it, okay, certain maps, you, you, you'll show every piece of information you need to show in a map. But a map can have secrets because every map is losing information. Whether you have a top down or angled, you're going to be losing information either behind those mountains or if it's top down, you're going to be losing some of the elevation. Mm. Um, so, 
you record whatever information is important to what's the purpose of the map. Yeah. And you include that. And you, if you have something like peeking in up behind a mountain, that's important too. You're kind of creating a bit of mystery or that river kind of just going in behind. Where does it go? You're, yeah. you're drawing people into the story. Yeah. It, it, and you make people want to explore it. That's really cool. Whether like it be that. a reader or in a role-playing game. Oh, I want to go there. Yeah, I want to find out where that, where that river is going when yeah. it runs behind the mountain. That's fast. I, I love that. That's a really, really cool idea. I like the way that fits in. Um, I, I like the way you kind of bake the sense of mystery even into like some elements of the map that are kind of design elements. Because I think a lot of times people... Uh, the maps I've seen that have, you know, they, they kind of put their interesting bits in the in the legend or they have, like, I saw one that was kind of cool. It had like a, a, a wizardy looking guy with like a, a lamp and he was in the top corner of the map. And, oh, like, I know that. Is that a, kinds... I, I know that guy. Uh, he actually, yes. And it was it, was the map called Olka, Olkheim? Yeah, yeah. I liked, I yeah, liked that's kind of Germanic illustration. Yeah. Moth in a, a M O A T H. He's fantastic. I actually, he's from Sheffield in the UK. That guy, I've been following him for over a year now. And actually, my my last map that I made, I coloured it. It's like a elevated <laughs> city. I I sent him a message and I said, "Hey, I'm colouring this map. I love your colouring scheme. Give me some advice. This is where I'm going. I just love the pastelli kind of." flavor of his yeah, uh yeah his maps yeah yeah that's uh, a really cool style and he always includes a spider in his maps fantastic yeah so he like I and mean, his maps are like really anarchic in, in the just like yeah i mean it's like they include all sorts of elements that you wouldn't expect on a map and they're great focal points and so they draw you into a story that's that's it you know yeah so like it, not, you're generic here's a fantasy map oh i need to include this i need to include that he he includes whatever pops into his imagination now i i think a lot of times folks get into a um into into a rut because we've kind of been spoiled by google maps and stuff and we're used to maps being strictly tools to convey information in terms of like point a to point b and i think it's interesting to break that mold and restrict the amount of information that your map's actually giving um, in order to draw people into a story, almost to kind of say like, look, this is not the mountain. This is not specifically where this mountain is. This is not a topographical map. This is where people kind of reckon it is, you know, or like this is a presentation yes. of roughly where this range lies. And, you know, you, so I like the idea of an adventuring party looking at their map and going, we're not in the mountains yet. And it's like, oh no, it's like, it's there over there. They're just kind of, this is roughly, you're, you're in the foothills. You're kind of nearly there. <laughs> like, well, if you think about how maps were made, and compare them to now that we have like satellite data, it's completely different. You know, they're completely skewed to the tools that they had back then. And or even um, city maps were done from the perspective of the ground level. A lot, a lot of them were kind of uh, tilted, showing all the sides of the, the buildings and that. And they weren't extremely accurate either. Mm. And they. If there was a building that was important, they would ex increase the size of it. Yeah. It's so they draw difference. like they draw like a cathedral or something like exactly say like this over here, and that would represent a, a town or city of, of of importance to that 
whoever was making the map, especially if it was like monastic orders who were putting them together or something like that. One thing they did get quite accurately was all of the monsters that lived in the ocean. They were <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Those are documented very well throughout history. <laughs> like and we know where they are because they put signs. <laughs> There are the monsters. We know that they killed all of them off. Yeah, and we still are as well. So, I, I, another practical question for you: There's a piece of software called Wonderdraft. Have you have you ever encountered it? And you know, do do you have any thoughts on it? I've not tried Wonderdraft. I've tried Incarnate. Incarnate. I've heard of that one. It's kind of similar. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I've tried that. I spent about five minutes and I got frustrated and stopped. But that's just me. I'm not. Yeah. I, I'm mm -hmm. not going to judge people for using it. Like it's. Um, it's because I like, as I said before, the, the visceral nature of using like a pen and, and page. Mm. But that frustrates some people. Some people like to have these other tools to build their map and it's very useful for them. Um, I, I think whatever rocks your boat, if that draws you into the world, if that just uh, allows you to tell the story that you want to tell, like some people put a lot of effort into creating these worlds. I know my, my brother-in-law, he's, he's a big fan of VR and he creates, you know, these dioramas, this software called diorama worlds. And he spends hours just placing all these little pieces, you know, creating these dioramas. Mm. Uh, and, and that, I don't think I could spend that amount of time in VR or in any software building the sort of kind of scenes that he creates. Yeah. Other than that, I don't really have a major opinion on it, only that it's just another a further sign that the robots are taking over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have all the fantasy map makers on the on the street with their signs like will draw trees in high detail or for food. food. Uh, um, so like Here's here's one then. As we as we're kind of starting to starting to run low on time, we got a couple of minutes left here. I, one question I really like to ask all the people we interview is like, if you could go back in time and tell yourself one thing when you were kicking this off, when you were just starting to draw maps, um, one vital thing, um, what what do you think it would be? Um, the, the big time saver, the thing I that would have just changed it for you. Start start sharing. The minute, the minute the, the internet became a, an actual thing that was usable, start yeah. sharing my work. I yeah. waited till 2018 before sharing a single piece of art online. Yeah. Because I, I was so cautious, but I was afraid of someone come along and steal all my work. But uh, I would tell myself, no one can steal what you haven't created already. It's, yeah. They can't steal your creativity creativity mm. so i otherwise i have no regrets yeah I, my my journey I, I i've enjoyed every minute of it i think i just would have maybe taken myself a little bit more seriously if i take myself more seriously early on i don't think i would have had to do as much grind you know for food and just general <laughs> living it yeah. would have, i would have had a much more enjoyable life but i think i what it was like this is where this is where i'm i'm starting you know what i mean yeah i'm starting now i'm kind of sharing my work i'm getting a lot of good feedback but that's that's really it like in terms of the actual skills and you know i wouldn't have given myself any i i needed to make the mistakes i made yeah 
it sounds a little bit like it's summed up in, in what we were talking about earlier, that kind of vulnerability of, of sharing your work and making it available and letting other people kind of interact with it. Yeah. Yeah. Man, so it looks like over, over the course of this, like just talking about it, it seems like we've gotten into some like fairly, fairly practical elements, things like the, the, the kind of uh, uh, when you're inking your work, starting topographically at the highest point sometimes can be really valuable and, um, and kind of going, starting your inking work through that so you can almost set that sense of mystery in it where you've got things like rivers and coastlines and forests hiding behind mountain ranges and things like that yeah, rather yeah. than necessarily starting from the outside and working your way in. So starting at the, at the, at the verticality top of your map is almost a good way to go. I know that's um, probably not a great tip for beginners. I, I think for beginners, I'd say don't doubt yourself, just have a go, keep trying, you know, patience is something that you can develop. That's all I'd say for a beginner. Like that was maybe like a- But I want it now. Sorry, patience. Just Just, that's a bad joke. Keep at it, keep at it. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's, I no, I like that. It's basically just kind of keep at the work. And then it also kind of seems like I, I like your kind of flexible view with maps in that I think a lot of people try too hard to generate precision with it. They're sort of like, oh, well, rivers don't split that much. They, they usually, you know, form confluences. And like, you know, uh, I, I've seen a lot of talk about the leeward side of mountains <laughs> and things like that <laughs> and where the water comes from and where deserts form. Um, but the, the interesting thing is that I've also seen counterpoints where someone said, deserts don't always form on the other side of the mountains. What about like the Balkans? They're like, they'll be talking about all these different things. So it's almost like um, they're almost always natural rules that are just sort of broken. And so there's a sense in which why why bother trying just make what you want to make and kind of enjoy it for what it is and don't feel the need to explain all elements but then because otherwise all maps would be the same and why make a new map why make a new world yeah if they're all going to be following these same rules break them Hmm. i think that's a pretty good summary and a great place to a great place to end and so um, I, I want to ask you like a couple of things is uh, Seth had noticed while, while uh, we, were, we were talking, he gone and said that you had developed these modular dungeons. Um, do you sell them? They're just an exclusive thing I'm giving out to my patrons. So oh, uh, I promised them that I, I won't be selling them and I won't be reprinting them and I won't be releasing a digital file. I like that. So I, I have... The originals here, I have like obviously I have to scan them in to make them into little postcards. But what we're doing is every time you know I hit certain benchmarks in my Patreon, certain milestones, I'll release some more of them. So it's like the ratio is like one every ten patrons, and I'll poll them. I'll say which way are we going next? So kind of like we're existing in this particular one. Are we going north? Are we going east? That's the current dilemma that oh, we have. That's a really fun and they, idea. And they vote on which way. So it's like it's like an adventuring party, but there's there's 125 of us kind of wandering around the dungeon together, and we're gathering people as we go. I love that. That's a really cool. Yeah. So that's a Patreon exclusive yeah. then. So you yeah, they, will, they will have to reach out to you on it, there. It's a small cool. little. It's like a small little extra. It's not my main because the main thing is I'm making people's maps. 
yeah. you know, they are submitting whatever map. It's like, you know, uh, instead of commissions, it's just a way of managing my time. Yeah. Because I'd make everyone's map if I could. But now I'm just like, submit your map. It's polled. And then uh, people vote on which ones they like. And I'll make one of each map type. So yeah. I make five types of maps every month. Yeah. Oh, that's rad. And, uh, so uh, we, we've done your Patreon, but where else can we find you? Uh, Instagram. Yeah. So I'm all of my like whips, my work in progress are up on Instagram at Jog Bronson. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on most social media, but that's, that's the, the main one. And uh, I think you do some time lapse on YouTube as well. Yes. Yeah. But I'll, I put up my time lapse up on Instagram as well. Instagram as well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I've started doing that and it's, it's gotten a good reaction. Yeah, no, I think that's rad. Like it's, 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 uh, I, I first found you over, uh, I think world builder sanctum is where it was where I encountered yeah, you yeah, yeah. And, uh, and decided to reach out and see if you were game for an interview. And I'm so grateful that you joined us, man. Thank you. Um, yeah, my pleasure. We'll be sure to throw all of your, uh, all of the different points of contact people can have with you, including your, your Patreon, Instagram, and probably your YouTube link as well. And, uh, and Facebook too. And, uh, so people can find your stuff and witness for themselves, your supernatural powers. Um, yeah, it's been fantastic having you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks very much. It's my pleasure. Thank you for joining Seth and I on the Worldcraft Club podcast. Please go ahead and like us, subscribe to us on your preferred app. And if you use iTunes, rate us five stars if you think we're worth the rating. It really helps our numbers. If you're listening here, you're missing out on half the content along with loads of other goodies. So please consider becoming an exclusive club member at our Patreon page, starting at as low as $5 a month. If you have any questions, you can go ahead and jump on our webpage, worldcraftclub.com to get the latest updates on our blog. We're also available on Twitter and Instagram. This has been the Worldcraft Club podcast. Thank you for listening.